From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast number 83. I am Brad Robinson and today I'm talking about the most common anxiety fears. Now, some fears include vomiting, you know, out in public. When panic strikes, you feel woozy and you're afraid of vomiting in front of other people. So you leave. Also, uh, the fear of dying from a physical illness. I woke up every morning when I was suffering from anxiety in my past, catastrophizing over the sensations in my body, how I was feeling, checking in on my internal world, and ruminating over potential illnesses in my mind. So I'm going to go over these fears and more in today's podcast. But first, I just want to let you know that the Anxiety Project program is 50% off now at unpluganxiety.com. Use coupon code anxietyfree, all one word, and get 50% off the program. And a lot of people come to me and say that they love this program because it provides structure to their chaos. They're in unknown territory. They're, they're uncertain about their state of well-being. And so this program adds this structure, adds this order to all of this chaos and it provides fuel to recover and it provides the tools to recover. It provides the techniques to recover and it provides exercises like releasing trauma exercises to lift and release all of that heavy baggage weighing you down. So go check out that program right now at unpluganxiety.com. Now, today I'm talking about the most common anxiety fears. But first I want to talk about the two underlying fears, the deep fears that health anxiety sufferers face. Mortality and social judgment. Now, obviously, you know, or not so obvious, I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of having a certain illness, but underneath that was, I was afraid of dying, being unhealthy, developing a disease and dying from that disease. And then social judgment. Now, this one is a very interesting one. And this one was an eye opening moment for me, I was afraid of having that heart attack, having that panic attack out in a public environment and humiliating myself while having that heart heart attack, while dying in public and making a fool out of myself, right? So both of these underlying fears It keeps someone in their safe zone and away from public places. Now, mortality, being afraid of death, 
understandable. It's understandable. I mean, when we come to that realization that, oh yeah, we are mortal, you know, we are going to die, it's quite daunting, right? But someone suffering from health anxiety, they're afraid of dying every day. They're facing that dragon of chaos every day. They're facing that realization and they're afraid of dying. And they're afraid of stepping out into the unknown, into public places and dying and not having family around to help them. But more importantly, this is so important. They're afraid of others judging them, you know, being out on that subway and vomiting and other people judging you, right? It's not really, you're not really afraid of vomiting. It's it's vomiting in front of other people that is, it's, it's so horrifying, right? These fears can manifest themselves if we have lived a sheltered, dependent life, right? If we are dependent on family, if we were sheltered, right? The outside unknown world can be quite daunting, right it can't the dragon is so big that we don't have the right tools we don't have the right techniques to handle that chaos so health anxiety sufferers love to stay in their safe zones they don't want to venture out because well you know they could die and when when they die they could make a fool of themselves in front of other people while they die so there are also past highly emotional memories, traumas, that keep an anxiety sufferer stuck in anxiety. And one of them is PTSD. You know, you might have did something in your past that you were so ashamed of, you feel guilty of, and you just can't believe you did that. And you have this highly emotional memory stored within your unconscious mind weighing you down because you haven't yet learned the lessons from it. You haven't loosened your grip on it. You are storing it because a part of you is like, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to make sense of this memory, so I'm going to hold on to it until Brad confronts the memory and then reframes it so that he learns the lessons and thus doesn't need to hold on to it anymore. That is very important to know. Now, these two fears strengthen the more you avoid that anxiety-producing situation. The mall, the concert, wherever it is, that social gathering... The circuit that strengthens is our threat detection system, the amygdala. If you avoid or run out of an environment that is causing panic, you ingrain the information of danger, of threat associated to that certain environment. Then you will unconsciously avoid that environment and all environments like it, right? So 
you might avoid that concert hall full of crowded people, but when you get into that classroom, it's similar. There's people around, you're in you're in an enclosed environment. It's not exactly a concert hall, but your threat detection system doesn't know the difference. It's just recognizing the similarities of that previous danger. Really important. So now I'm going to get into the more above fears. Fears above these two underlying fears. And these are common fears. Anxiety sufferers have to contend with. Common fears, uh, when I coach uh, my clients, these are common fears they have. And so I'm going I'm to get into vomiting. You know, being in that public place, anxiety occurs, panic pops its head, you feel the sensations, and then you feel your stomach. You feel this nausea. And you're afraid of, oh my God, what if I vomit in front of all these other people? And I just want to mention that you're going to see similarities between the two underlying fears, mortality and social judgment, and with these above fears like vomiting and, and so forth. You know, with vomiting, it's not really the act of vomiting, but it's the fear of what others think, right? Because if you're alone and nobody's around for hundreds of miles, are you really going to be that afraid of vomiting? No, I would definitely not be afraid, right? It's, you know, other people hearing you or other people seeing you that will snowball anxiety. So anxiety when panic occurs, when you have severe anxiety, this can cause stomach upset. Your internal world shifts to fight or flight and doesn't need to worry about food and digestion. It's reacting to a perceived threat, to danger. So, Digestion, digestion halts and you may feel a bit queasy. This can be concerning to you because you may be at a concert at work in your car and you are afraid of throwing up, right? You're afraid of throwing up and there could be someone else in that car with you and that's just awful, right? If, I, if I'm in my car by myself, and I feel nauseous, and I'll, I'll be okay if, you know, I have a paper bag around. It's not going to be that big of a deal, but if you're in a car with other people, that can be a horrifying experience, right? The next fear I want to talk about is passing out. This was another huge fear of mine. Now, I would worry worry about passing out when I was feeling anxious. I was afraid because, you know, when I was younger, I would pass out, you know, a couple times, you know, when I went to get get my tooth extracted, you know, I didn't like it or getting my blood drawn 
right? I didn't like it. And so, you know, that made me pass out. And I didn't like it because I was in front of other people, doctors. And so I hated that, you know, that was something I had to reframe later on. But, you know, if you're alone, and if you're in your safe zone, you know, that fear doesn't really snowball out of control. And I was afraid of passing out in front of other people, whether it was on the subway, whether it was at the mall. And I thought when I felt this feeling of lightheadedness, I, w- I would think how embarrassing this would be if I fainted, how awful this would be. And that thought would drive me out of that mall, which as you know by now, is not a good idea to leave the environment you're anxious in. But I learned something. I learned something that really changed the game for me and changed this irrational thought. Most people who panic don't pass out. When people pass out, their blood pressure drops. Now, but when you have high stress and anxiety, your blood pressure increases. So you won't pass out. It's just the sensation of passing out. The shallow depth of field, the dizziness, these are very common symptoms Ones I would experience daily, but they are a natural bodily response. You're in fight or flight mode. You may feel dizzy, lightheaded, doesn't mean you're going to pass out. You may be in the fear response. The next fear is a loved one dying. This was something that really, I was contending with. This was a, a a fear that I had to resolve. And when you finally open up your eyes to your own mortality, the realization of your loved one's mortality can impact you greatly. Right? You know, what if so-and-so dies? What if, what am I going to do without them? And that can cause a lot of anxiety. With no control over your negative thoughts, it can be easy to entertain thoughts of people that you care about passing away. So then I needed to develop my own understanding of death so that I could be more comfortable with their mortality. Right, I needed to understand death more. Also, I was dependent upon these people as well. You know, when you move from dependency to being more independent, that fear over other loved ones dying lessens and lessens significantly. I mean, it's a huge difference. But you also have to work on your thoughts, the imagery that you play out in your mind. Now, a loved one could have been ill in your past that have gotten better and you're afraid of it 
that would happen again to them. But also, you must pay attention to those images, those thoughts. And CBT is a great way to do this. I mean, the elastic band technique where you wear an elastic band on your wrist and whenever you get a thought or whenever you feel an emotion you don't like, you slap that elastic band on your wrist and you replace that thought with a new empowering thought. Another way you deal with this, if you've had a family member go through a serious illness in the past, is like I said before, you reframe that past highly emotional memory so that you can understand it, so that you learn the lessons, but you also release that from your body. You release that baggage so that you can be more in the present moment and that and and so you can handle the other challenges that come your way rather than you, you part parts of you being stuck in that past, in that past trauma. And so loved ones dying is was a huge fear for me. And this was something that caused me a lot of emotional uh, worry. I would think about it way too often, daily. And whenever I would think about it, I would beat myself up about it saying, oh my God, Brad, why are you thinking this? This is not normal, right? But I learned techniques where I could lessen my attention towards thoughts that I didn't want. So a thought comes in, maybe an image or a thought of a loved one dying. I would not give that thought energy. I would not provide that thought with emotion. Because the more emotion you provide a thought, the more you hang on to it. That was a huge realization for me. So I let the thought come, well, the thought would pop up and then I I would let it, I would imagine the thought just flowing through my head out the other side and then flying away up into the sky. That was something really powerful that I learned. I would not give that thought emotion. If I paid attention to it, what happens? It would stick around. And then I would be stuck with that loop all day long and then many days after. And the less I would give that thought energy, emotion, the less it would stick around. It would come and then it would go. And then I would change my thoughts into something else. I would just imagine something else. I would just pay attention to something else. Really powerful. Lastly, I want to talk about the fear of developing a fatal illness. Now, this connects to mortality again, right? Mortality. And this fear was something I was contending with every morning. As soon as I woke up till the moment I put my head down on the pillow, this was absolutely emotionally draining. Perhaps this fear developed when you were a kid and a parent had health anxiety. Or maybe 
you went through something traumatic, like witnessing a family member get ill or passing away. Something traumatic happened where you now have developed this belief that you are unhealthy. You've entertained this belief for such a long time. It's become a part of you. You believe it, right? The experience of panic attacks can be so traumatic where you then worry and obsess over your health also. Now, that's interesting too because I would have panic attacks when I was younger. I would be afraid of them. I would call up my loved ones for reassurance and they were traumatic. And so whenever that feeling came about again later on, I was contending with that feeling and then doing the same habits over and over again, seeking that reassurance, running out of the environment. And so I was just ingraining this fear of this of these certain sensations, of these certain moments I was having. So the more you entertain or act out these irrational thoughts, the more you ingrain this fear. Now, just like I was saying with previous panic attacks, acting out the reassurance seeking, acting out, talking about it constantly to loved ones, acting out, Googling the symptoms, That's why I always say, fake it until you make it, you know, try to replace these bad habits with new habits, because the more you act out the victim role, the more you're going to hold on to it. This is your identity. So how long are you going to act out these bad habits, right? I always say, stay in the environment you're in when you feel panicky, Because you have to prove to that unconscious part of you that you're not going to die in this situation. You need to prove to yourself that you can survive. You can be brave, right? Anxiety recovery is about proving your old self wrong. So when I was going through my anxiety recovery, I had to become familiar with my body and why I was feeling this way. Why was I feeling all of these bodily sensations? Why was I feeling this dizziness, this lightheadedness? Why was I feeling body aches you know, on my arms and legs? And I needed to understand what was going on internally. That's why one of the big steps to recovery is to get yourself knowledgeable, understanding what is going on internally. Learn what is going on so you can replace rational thoughts. No, sorry. So you can replace irrational thoughts with those rational thoughts. Practice, 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 persistence, persistence. Add evidence that you are healthy, right? You know, if you 
are eating healthy, you can add that evidence to why you're healthy. If you're meditating every day, you can add that evidence to why you're healthy. If you're exercising every day, you can add that evidence to why you're healthy. And then you're just going to end up believing that you're healthy because of your powerful new habits. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Thank you for all of your comments and questions on YouTube and through my mailbox. I appreciate them and I will always answer your questions for you. And lastly, remember, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.